morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today. We're just so grateful that you've placed us in this community, in this fellowship of people who love to sing your praises, who come here every week to worship you. And we just take everything we have and we bring it to you, Lord, and we lay it at your feet because we know that you can carry it and that you will carry it. And Lord, we just, we pray for miracles today. We pray for healing. We pray for your spirit to fall down in this place. In your name we pray.
Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry. And I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me. Enlighten your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
together the Colette. O oh God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> there you are. The army of the Lord assembles. This is a wonderful and charming group. We're grateful to have them with us. All right. Reach out your hands with me and pray for all these young guys and gals. Heavenly Father, we rejoice, Lord, in all of the wonderful people that you've put in our midst, that you would watch over these children all their days. Fill them with wisdom and strength and courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs>
Good morning. This morning's first reading is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 50, verse 1 through 7. Please respond at the asterisk. The Mighty One, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth. From the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. God will shine forth. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. Fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. He shall call to the heavens from above, and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness. God himself is judged. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
This morning's New Testament lesson comes from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 3, commencing. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory Glory to you, you, Lord Lord Christ. Christ. We are reading from Mark's gospel, chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them, His clothes became shiny, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And the cloud came and it overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen. Till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ.
hearts together in love, that we might be a witness to the goodness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, today we get to talk about the enemies of our unity. And cheekily, I kind of want to say the enemies of our unity is all of you. If you all agreed with me, we'd be in good shape, okay? If every one of you believed the way I did, liked the things I liked, there'd be no problem with our unity. But of course, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about the unity that we find in Christ. We're very clear in the New Testament that the unity we're looking for is the unity between a hand and a foot, the unity between eyes and a mind, the unity that is different but working together It's made beautiful. Working together, it establishes the kingdom of God. Because we talk about Jesus and all that he did on earth, but when he left, he said, okay, your turn. Not that he isn't with us, working through us, but that the church is Jesus' plan to fulfill the redemption of the entire world. It's a big project that we've been given. And you won't accomplish it without unity without love for God and love for your neighbor. And so when we talk about this, this, this idea within this wider series on faith, unity, and joy, I'm continually reminding you that this is because God has something for us to do, specifically at St. Michael's. There are people who need to encounter the love of God. And if we unify around Christ and Christ crucified, our Lord and Savior, then we can do things that will draw people into his presence. Last week, we talked about how Jesus, when he talked about how would people know that you are disciples of God, disciples of Christ, you will know by the way they love one another. That is pretty remarkable. If you look around the world, there's no greater sign of the goodness of God than a bunch of people who are different, who love each other. The common, the most common thing you find is people who use each other, abuse each other, and hate each other. That's the way of the world. We live a different way. And so we're going to talk today about the enemies of our unity. 
the things that come against us when we try and live together in peace and we try and work together for the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about the things that maybe you're not proud of. Hopefully there's some point in this sermon where you feel hashtag triggered. That's my hope. But I'm going to call it the conviction of the Holy Spirit today, right? There's hopefully going to be something where you say, oh, that's me. Darn it. I could be better. I know when I was writing the sermon, I had to stop several times and confess. Let me just say that, right? We're talking about things that are common to all, common to us, but things that by the Holy Spirit we can overcome. Let's start with this verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So let's dig into this a little bit. You can leave it up on the screen here, right? That little part there. He's saying that you can't love God and hate each other. It's impossible. It's actually nonsensical. It doesn't make any sense. And this is why. Because God made each one of you and implanted you with his image. And when you love God, he changes you so that you can actually love others the way that he does. That you can recognize in others the image of God. Why do we fight for the protection of humans and don't go protest on the street because Chick-fil-A is selling chicken sandwiches. Because there's something about humanity that God loves. There's a divine purpose, a divine image in humanity. And that's why we don't get the scapegoat of saying, well, all those people who I don't like, they are just disqualified. No, absolutely not. In fact, there's this great teaching of this rabbi. He's walking with his followers and he asks them, he says, when do you know that the sun has risen? And they start giving all these answers, you know, because the sun rises. If I, I drive while the sun's coming up quite a bit. And you see it starts to get a little lighter and then a little lighter. And then maybe you see a peak of the sun coming up. And then you see a little more. And then finally the whole orb is in the sky. And the question was, at what point do you say the sun has risen? And he says, when you can see in your enemy the face of God. That's a challenging message. When you can see the image of God in the person whom you hate. Now, let me be clear here. There are a lot of people who are not living like they're in the image of God. And we can righteously condemn evil. Absolutely. My point is not to say that you should just bow down to everyone because God is in them. That's a different teaching. The teaching that Christ came to teach was that each person was made in the image of God and the goal of Jesus's ministry was to restore that image to fullness. And so we call that out of people. Guess what? There's times where you guys need to tell me, hey, you're not living like you're made in the image of God. We have to help each other because the, our whole purpose is moving in a direction so that we can evidence God in the world. And so if you have to love others as evidence of your love for God, let's talk about the things that get in the way of our love for others. Because you know what happens? Because we can't see God, we often like to think he hates the same things and the same people we do. 
because he doesn't talk to us all that often like we do with, uh, you know, I might be talking to Thomas and he'd be like, well, you're wrong on that. It's really easy to ignore God when he tells us we're wrong. And it's really easy to paint him in our image that he loves all the people we love, hates all the people we hate and thinks all the ways that we do. That's why it's important to love your brother whom you do see, because it's a lot harder to ignore him. What God does is he, he has this equation, basically, of love, right? And it's the, the full, all the law is summed up in this. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you work towards both of those goals, they each challenge the other. Our love for God brings out our love for our neighbor. Our love for our neighbor, that person who really is affecting you, allows you to see and to love God. And so, like I said, we're going to jump into a couple of the things that break up that unity, break up that love. Some of the things that can weasel their way into our hearts and make us combative, divisive, divided. First of all, we're going to talk about strife. Now, there's an old translation. The King James Version of of a certain scripture says, basically, strife opens the door to all manner of wickedness. The newer translations say, selfishness and pride open the door to all manner of wickedness. Same, same. All strife comes from pride and selfishness because you're defending yourself or you're going out and declaring my way versus other people. I actually have a couple of characters that we're going to talk about in this sermon because I really wanted to avoid mentioning any of you in these things. I'm calling them Jack and Joanna. No, I changed it. Jack and Jocelyn. I was like, maybe there's a Joanna. I don't want to offend anybody. Jack and Jocelyn. I don't know any Jacks. I don't know any Jocelyn. So we're going to keep it very clear. And any resemblance to reality is purely coincidental. Let's just say that. So we've got this couple. I made a whole backstory for them. I won't bore you with the details, but they met while they were working together. There was some competitiveness at first, but then they fell in love. Okay. But we're going to talk about Jack and Jocelyn, and we're not going to be very complimentary sometimes because I'm going to show some of what we think about other people. For instance, let's say, let's talk about strife here. Let's say you went into a board meeting, right, with, with some of your bosses, and you're pitching a new product for your company. And Jack and Jocelyn are in the meeting, and they start asking questions. Maybe Jack says, well, you can't cover the cost of that. That's not profitable. Or Jocelyn says, our customers aren't going to want that product. And your immediate reaction is, I hate Jack and Jocelyn. (laughs) Right? That's strife. That's strife. Because the point, now, let me just be clear here. I don't, I'm assuming we don't know Jack and Jocelyn's motivation here for a second, but the way to respond to that is to answer their questions. Well, here's how I fix the cost, or here's what our customers think about this product. That's not strife. That's just conversation. That's working together. That's actually a part of unity. You bring something to the table that I don't have, and we make each other better. But the enemy has a counterfeit, a counterfeit to that need for us Like iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That's good, but the enemy's counterfeit is strife. And what you do is you make it about how awful Jack and Jocelyn are. That's strife. That's when it becomes another person becomes an obstacle to what you're trying to do, to what you want, to what you think is right, rather than dealing with the ideas. They brought some ideas that might make yours better. 
even if Jack and Jocelyn are pure evil, and their whole goal is to tank your idea, the right response is a soft answer that turns away wrath. Wisdom, right? That's what it says in Proverbs. My mom told me that my whole life. I was very concerned that people were getting in my way, and I needed to defend myself. And my mom kept telling me, no, a soft answer turns away wrath. If you're right, then trust God to defend you. You don't have to always win. Maybe that's for me more than anybody else in this room, right? I feel that. You don't have to always win. In fact, it says in the New Testament, sometimes love gives way. What does that mean? It means even when you're right, sometimes you step aside. Sometimes it's not that important. And you know what's better? Sometimes it's better to be good than to be right. Now, you can't divorce goodness from rightness. I understand that. But sometimes, like, Paul had this whole argument where people were eating sandwiches at the local place that may have been offered to idols. And people were losing their minds because you can't eat spoiled food. And it made sense. They had a holy inclination. They wanted to serve God well. And he comes out and says, you know what? Whatever God blesses, that's pure. That's what we know. God can bless anything and make it good, right? And so he can make this food good, and it's fine to eat it. But if your buddy doesn't think it's okay, don't eat it in front of him. In fact, don't even argue with him about it. Love him by making room, by giving way. Okay. Strife is the enemy's counterfeit for the necessary and helpful conflict that you come into when you encounter another human being. There's another example in Genesis when God made Adam and Eve and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. He made Adam a helper or uh, there's a word in there, Ezer, and it could mean beneficial adversary. It's somebody who makes you better by contending with you. Or if you're trying to do something like really detail oriented and you like, maybe you're trying to draw something that was just hyper detailed, you could use your left hand to support your right to make very detailed Notes And the way that you could do that is by opposing the force, right? You use two hands to, in, a, in opposition, you can make very fine, detailed adjustments. And the point is, they're opposing each other and refining the work and making it better. That is necessary, good. It's a part of living with other human beings. I am better because a lot of you have come into conflict with me. A lot of these guys have come into conflict with me because they've made me better. But strife says you're an obstacle. That's the counterfeit. Jack and Jocelyn's questions about the product could have made my product better. Unless I choose strife. And that's something about your heart, right? You have to respond well but you also have to keep an eye on your heart. What's going on here? And you can feel it. You get unreasonably angry at somebody for something. That's something is stirring up in you. So let's talk about what might be stirring up in you. We're going to talk about Jack and Jocelyn again. We're talking about envy. In Proverbs 27, 4, it says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? So Jack and Jocelyn have posted on their Instagram. You know what happened? They just got their dream home. And they're vacationing in 
I looked up a place. What are they? Lake Como, Italy. Beautiful spot, right? And they're posting about how Jack, you know, has gotten this promotion at work that you were trying to get. And Jocelyn's going to be a stay-at-home mom now and just do whatever she wants. And all of this stuff is happening. And something stirs in you. And when they get back, you know, Jack's posting about that Tesla he's going to buy that you were hoping to get. Like, all of the things are happening for Jack and Jocelyn. And you think, those people are awful. I hate them. That's jealousy. That's envy. But jealousy and envy is just as much a lie as strife. Jealousy and envy is a lie in at least two ways. Number one, it assumes that other people's gain is your loss. You do know every good gift comes from above, from our good father. And he doesn't run out. Anything he gives to other people is not taking from you. Even if you were going for the same job promotion as that person and they got the promotion and you didn't and you think that's unfair. They got what I didn't do. You don't think God can promote you to something else? You don't think God can provide for you in that moment? Jealousy is all about losing trust in the goodness and the power of God. Because you think you have to fight and struggle to get that thing and you look at other people getting it and you go, why? That's unfair. Secondly, it takes this two-dimensional slice of a person's life. I love that they got that dream home or they got to go to Lake Como, and I'm mad that I didn't get to do it, right? But it doesn't, you don't want to trade lives with those people. You don't know about Jocelyn's medical condition. You don't know about Jack and his 70-hour work week that he had to work in order to get years at a time to get that promotion. You don't know what's going on in their life. You wouldn't trade with them. I know you wouldn't trade your family for theirs. Maybe even they have a great family, but you wouldn't trade your family. I wouldn't trade my kids for anything, no matter how cool the Tesla is. Like, come on, guys. We get so caught up in our representations in our mind of what other people's lives must be like, must be nice, must be good. What a lie. Everyone is fighting a hard battle. Every single person is fighting a hard battle. Don't be jealous of people because you saw one Instagram post or because you think one thing went well that didn't go well in your life. And furthermore, your good God, he has so much for you. In fact, the twisting of envy is so bad because what it does is it takes away that inborn thing in you to look up to the people around you. Like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We have something in us that looks for people to admire, to emulate. And if you look at all those people and tear them down because you're jealous, you villainize them because you didn't get what they have, you lose out on the kingdom economy. And the kingdom economy is like this. I admire you, and so I will try and be more like you as you're trying to be more like Christ, and we'll all grow together into the body of Christ, the perfect bride at that day when we are all glorified. All of this is meant to pump us up, to grow our faith, to help us see the road ahead. In fact, there's this idea. It's really hard to believe for something you've never seen. 
It's really hard to believe that God can heal when you've never seen a miracle. It's really hard to believe that God can rescue you when you've never seen somebody rescued. When you see that person get the dream home, have faith that God can give you a house. If he did it for those lazy people, he could do it for us. Jack and Jocelyn, you know what I'm saying? It's a mind game, and comparison is the thief of joy, and it brings this division. And, I mean, it's been said a million times. Social media amplifies this a thousand times. As Social media, here's the game of social media. Post the thing that makes you look the best and makes others feel the worst. That's the goal, and you win. The people who do that get millions of followers, brand deals. What a messed up backward system. No, I believe that we're called to live in the kingdom of God where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Where it's all about his goodness and my weakness. That doesn't play on social media. It hijacks God's system. But we should praise God for the blessings of Jack and Jocelyn and everyone in this room. Okay. We've got strife, we've got envy, and we've got the fire starter, gossip. Gossip. Gossip is awful. Let's return to Jack and Jocelyn. Let's imagine after all this has happened, you've already had strife with them, you've already been envying them, then guess what? You hear that Jack was fired from his job for suspicious activities. You don't know what, but he was fired, and it was suspicious. And maybe Jocelyn had to go to rehab. You don't know what kind, but rehab. That sounds bad. How many here could resist telling five people about what was happening to Jack and Jocelyn? How many people here could resist telling one person about what was happening to Jack and Jocelyn in that moment? That's gossip. That's awful. Okay, let's see what happens here. Proverbs 18, 6 through 8. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. Oh, I love that verse. (laughs) A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. You aren't just what you eat. You're also what you speak. What you say, what you listen to, determines how you think about the world it determines what you believe and when you run off to tell that person oh did you hear about jack did you hear about jocelyn Ooh, ooh. it feels good it's delicious morsels but those go down into your inward parts and i link that with these other two verses because proverbs is written that way it's meant to go together your lips are inviting a beating you're speaking things like a fool that you shouldn't be. And gossip tears people apart. Look at social media. I mean, all of social media is basically reporting on how bad other people are and how good you are. And that's the fight. I mean, we're in the divided states of America right now. We're talking about unity. United States of America, that's the goal. That doesn't look like where we're at. And I'm just going to blame gossip, envy, strife. These are the things that are coming between us. Now, we probably can't fix the whole country in this room, but we can dang well work on fixing ourselves. We can work on loving one another, holding our tongue, 
I've got a few rules about it, but let's just get, if you didn't think gossiping was bad yet, let's talk a little bit about what James says about it. James 3, verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. That's not just talking about gossip. That's talking about complaining. That's talking about ridicule. That's talking about being mean to one another. Talking about everything we say matters. It can set set our whole life on fire. The words that we speak. And yet we're so quick when we hear that. You see that social media post or you hear from a friend. Did you hear? VeggieTales has the great, you know, the gossiping, the rumor weed, right? And she's like going out, did you hear about Alfred? And the whole town falls apart. But really, though, I've got some rules that maybe we could work on here. Three rules for not gossiping. First, would you say what you're saying if the person you were talking about was present? That's a pretty good one. That's like 90% of all gossip ends if you use that rule. But I've got more. Number two, is what you are saying building up the person or tearing them down? That could even be good outside of gossip. Maybe you shouldn't even tell them what you're going to say if it's going to tear them down. And number three, this is a good one. Is it any of your business? It's really straightforward. And I mean that very literally. Are you responsible for this person's actions? Are you responsible to talk to this person? Because if you are, go talk to them, not your buddy. Go talk to Jack and Jocelyn. Hey, I heard you're struggling. You just got fired. Can I help you? How different is that from gossip, where we glory in others' defeats? There are absolutely times when it is necessary to comment on people's misfortunes and bad behavior, but almost never to your buddy Frank. It's almost always with that person. Ultimately, I gave you three rules. Here's a fourth one that trumps them all. Are you speaking while loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Is what you're saying following those rules? The test of love, I called it. If we just cut out strife, envy, and gossip, imagine how awesome we would be. (laughs) That's how God designed us to be. He wants to save us from ourselves and from each other, consequently. He wants us to be a people who show the love of Christ so that the whole world wants to be a part of our group. They want to be a part of the family of God. Lastly, we're going to talk about unforgiveness. Not going to spend a ton of time on this because it's like sermon after sermon we could preach on unforgiveness. But I just want to bring it up because I think it's one of the key enemies of our unity. And probably what happened was you had strife with somebody and you didn't forgive them. Or you were envious of somebody, and somehow you decided that your envy justified an offense, and you haven't forgiven them for that. You haven't forgiven them for going to Lake Como. And third, maybe you were gossiping, or somebody gossiped about you, and you haven't forgiven them. So let's look at unforgiveness. 
We pray it every time in the Our Father. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. And Jesus, he says the Our Father prayer, which has that in the text, and he doesn't think that's enough. He follows it up by saying in Matthew 6, 14, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty intense. Jesus, are you sure you meant that? That sounds harsh. Let me tell you, he meant it. You can keep yourself in literal hell by holding on to unforgiveness. It's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Is the famous phrase. I think unforgiveness is all about healing and freedom. If you're locked up in unforgiveness, you've given yourself over to something to have mastery over you. Because what the Holy Spirit is leading you towards is a life of love and forgiveness like Jesus's. And when you don't forgive someone, you put, plant a flag in the ground and say, you can't come here, Jesus. I'm holding on to my unforgiveness. I won't do it. Now, there's a lot of other things in our lives that we might do that with, but unforgiveness seems particularly hard for us. And I think it's because it's the enemy perverting our sense of justice. It's perverting our sense that the world should be good and all wrongs should be made right. The thing that Jesus came to do was to make all wrongs right, to redeem the world, to restore justice. But the way Jesus fought for justice is the way we're called to fight for justice. When he's on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. God wants to take that inbuilt sense of justice and move it in, in his mercy, in his time, in his goodness. And once again, like the problem with envy, it's all about trusting him. A lot of the times we hold on to unforgiveness because they don't deserve it. Well, who gets to decide that? Here's a hint. It's not you. It's the God who went to the cross for that person. That sin that they committed against you, he died for. He's not saying there is no cost. There is no healing. There is no redemption. There is no justice. He's saying, I will take the punishment that justice might have its full representation in mercy. G.K. Chesterton wrote of St. Francis of Assisi that he walked the world like the pardon of God. I love that. When we're talking about unity, we're talking about loving one another, we're talking about being an example to the world of the pardon of God, the forgiveness that is open to all. Let's end today with Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul writes, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, 
and through all and in all. As we end, I just want to say, Jack and Jocelyn and I are great friends now. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But we are all invited this day. Search your hearts. Where are you envious? Where are you jealous? Where are you striving with somebody? Where are you holding on to unforgiveness? Where do you need to stop talking about other people behind their back? Because God's inviting us into another level of his love, of his goodness, and we're going to see the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we have been marked and sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, trusting in God's mercy, let us bring our needs and the needs of the world before him. That the church will preach the gospel faithfully and glorify Christ unashamedly. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. That world leaders will submit to God and trust in his ways as they govern their people. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. That we will desire more of the Holy Spirit and allow him to transform us into the image of Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. That our schools will be institutions for the pursuit of sound learning, wisdom, and truth. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. That our courts will discern the truth and administer justice, tempered with mercy, especially to the poor and helpless. Lord, in your mercy. That those who are unemployed will find suitable and fulfilling employment and receive just payment for their labor. For their labor. Lord, in your mercy. For our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy. And shine your light onto our hearts that we may know you more dearly. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 The peace of the Lord be always with you.
and with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Lord. Peace. Peace, neighbor. Peace, neighbor. Busy week. I want to remind you all that we have Shrove Tuesday coming up, Pancake Supper, a happy evening. I'm looking forward to that. Followed by Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. We have the service in the morning at 8 a.m. and 7.30 at night, so you'll want to be here at one of those services. And then our youth are going off to the mountains for their retreat, so keep them in your prayers. Um, and their chaperones and leaders, keep them in their prayers as well. And to start off all this celebration, you may know there's this big event today. Uh, even the NFL is involved. And it's because it's Katie's birthday and Haley's birthday. So let us all celebrate together. <laughs> Amen. That's yeah, just amazing that uh, the NFL went to all that trouble. They did. <laughs> understandable, however. No, it's understandable. All right, let's uh, prepare for our tithes and offerings. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Amen. Calvary, that rugged cross, 
Your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For today you have revealed the mystery of our salvation in Christ as a light for the nations. And when he appeared in our mortal nature, You made us new by the glory of his immortal nature. 
And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing this hymn for your glory, as without end we acclaim. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your spirit upon them so that they may become for us the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread. He gave you thanks. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Patrick, Luke, Bob, Jermaine, Ryan, Sandy, Jeff, Kate, Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, 
and with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And, and now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. In the chaos, you are the peace. In my suffering, you're here with me. In the darkness, you never leave. God of mercy, you're walking with me. I surrender anxiety. All the striving has to cease. In this moment, you're still the king. This is a gift you are giving to me. A sound mind for the spirit and fear. A sound mind so that I can see clearly. A sound mind, your spirit is here. A sound mind, a sound mind. 
There's a table where we meet in the presence of my enemy. I will listen and I will feast on every word you are speaking to me. I remember who you are. You're my fortress and you're my God. I will stand in authority. In Jesus' name, all this darkness will flee. A sound mind for the spirit of fear. A sound mind so that I can see clearly. A sound mind, your spirit is here. A sound mind, a sound mind, a sound mind for the spirit of fear. A sound mind so that I can see clearly. A sound mind, your spirit is here. A sound mind, a sound mind. Saved, healed, delivered me. Jesus' blood washed over me. Command my soul awake, arise. Use each breath to prophesy. I prophesy. You saved, healed, delivered me. Jesus' blood washed over me. Command my soul awake, arise. Use each breath to prophesy. I prophesy. You say, heal, deliver me. Jesus, blood, wash over me. Command my soul awake, arise. Use each breath to prophesy. Jesus, Lord. 
graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now to the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. Amen. And as you go out from this place, always remember the gospel, that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you, God has forgiven you, God is not mad at you, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen.